ministry through praise and worship and and before the service because uh, I had a message prepared uh, and had thought for several days actually since last Wednesday that I would preach this message and then I worked on it this morning and and then this afternoon was praying and then God started stirring up something else in me. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I have a bunch of flimsy notes. <laughs> you know, my other notes are all computerized and all that. But so I have a bunch of flimsy notes. But I was just kind of searching my heart, making sure that this new direction was how he wanted me to go. But I really believe it is. So I'm just going to go with that. I'm going to go with that, what God uh, stirred up in me this afternoon. And uh, uh, we've been talking, pastor's been talking about... Um, uh, what it says in First Thessalonians chapter 3 that he let me just get those scriptures for you just to refresh you on that First Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 10 says uh, that Paul said I want to perfect that which is lacking in your faith and Romans 1 11 says something very similar to that if you want to look at that scripture it, it, it says something that that basically means the same thing uh, Romans 1 11, Paul said for I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end you may be established and so uh, praise God God always is wanting to add to us and give us something and and uh, that's what I want that's one of my prayers is Lord if there is anything lacking in my faith please please add it and uh, you know cause the right person to cross my path cause me to hear the right tape cause pastor to say something and uh and you know he is faithful to do that and he will grow us as fast as we can swallow hallelujah and so we need to learn to swallow faster sometimes don't we praise god and so um but tonight i wanted to talk about adding something to your faith and i wanted to talk about adding prayer to your faith and the holy ghost talked to me about this this afternoon that we uh must add prayer to our faith so many times people want to be in this faith work i we consider ourselves to be a word of faith church of which there's many in the nation and uh, uh to be in this faith walk and to and word of faith started uh in the early 70s word of faith got its start now there's always been faith but there began to be an emphasis over in the 60s and 70s actually when god told brother hagan to come out you know he was a pastor and told him go teach my people faith and he began to go out and teach faith and uh, and then in the early 70s there began to be a revival right after the um, well I guess it wasn't it was you know there's always overlap in the 60s was the charismatic movement that overlapped into the 70s and in the late 70s began a, a word movement or a teaching movement and in that teaching movement is when word of faith really came into uh, uh, preeminence it, 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 before 1980 there were very few spirit-filled independent churches there were before 19 that around 1980 most of the word of faith churches are now about 25 to 27 years old some of them might be just a tad older than that but most of them started around 1980 1982 is when we started in Seminole I know Pastor Webb started in 1982 also and uh and so most that's about how old word of faith and word of faith churches for sure is now word of faith before that was just people going to seminars mostly in Tulsa or going to full gospel businessmen meetings and hearing faith taught in uh, hotel rooms and there were and, and 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 so forth like that 
And when the Word of Faith began, uh, we did not have many of the situations. We didn't have maybe as much revelation as we had today, but we have. But the but people were more involved in prayer than they were are today. You know, the devil and the world has got us uh, busy so that the Word of Faith people have mostly left off praying. And I'm not talking about in this church necessarily. I'm talking about nationwide. With the and, and I'm sure even in the denominational churches this is true, but I'm not positive about that. But I know in Word of Faith churches and in Spirit-filled churches that the people have left off praying, and that is not how it used to be. Hallelujah. And so... Um, but the devil and the world has got us busy. I mean, the devil's got a, a ring in some people's nose. If you could look in the spirit realm, you'd see they have a ring in their nose, and he is dry, he is jerking them, hallelujah, all day, every day. And he is, and the world has us running around, not, and I say us, I'm not talking about me, running around like a chicken with our heads cut off, and we've left off prayer, and we're trying to make faith work. But I got to tell you, folks, faith, the faith walk, walk by faith, not by sight, live by faith, will never work apart from powerful prayer. It will never, you'll never get your faith to work if you're not a praying person. First of all, we not only have to learn to pray, but we, when we go to pray, we have to be led by the Spirit and know what to pray. You have to know what to pray in order to have success with your faith walk, to have success in your prayers, to have, you know, a parents have to, um, parents have to, you know, you got a kid that's in trouble. Not only do you have to pray them out, you will have to know how to pray because not just any prayer will do for anything. You will have to know how to pray. And so uh, God wants us to come back, the church to come back to a place of prayer. Amen. And you know, hallelujah, I just want to encourage you tonight that that's not a burdensome, uh, awful thing. Hallelujah. The way of the righteous is blessed. Like Chris talked about the blessing. The way of the righteous is blessed. The way of the transgressor is hard. So when you say it's hard, you're saying, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner, so life's hard. I'm, I'm a sinner, so prayer's hard. You don't ever want to say it's hard because you are saying, I'm a sinner, I'm a transgressor. That's what Proverbs says, that the way of the transgressor is hard. But Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I want to tell you, the prayer yoke is easy and light. And prayer is, most, is rewarding and prayer is fun. And it, it must be learned. It must be learned. Hallelujah. There's a lot of things that aren't fun until you learn. Roller skating's not fun until you learn, but a lot of people think it's a lot of fun. But, you know, hallelujah. Don't you, do you agree? A lot of people think jumping out of airplanes is fun. Lot, you know, there's all sorts of things people call fun, but it's not fun until you learn. And prayer, you, you've got to get on the other side of the learning part, and then you'll begin to enjoy prayer, and you'll begin to have fruit in prayer, and oh, that's a lot of fun. In fact, Jesus said to pray, uh, and he said, uh, he said, ask that you might receive, that your joy might be full. You'll never have joy full and overflowing until you're in the prayer mode where you're asking and receiving for yourself, but not just for yourself, for other people. Amen. And so, uh, so God wants to, God wants to open a door of prayer to you. In fact, he already has, he's already opened a door of prayer to you. And you know what the Holy, you know, the disciples, I, I, I 
don't know where the scripture is. I had it Sunday because I used it in my prayer. But the disciples said to Jesus when he walked the earth, they said, uh, "Teach, Lord, teach us to pray. They heard him praying and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Hallelujah. And you know what he did? Immediately he began to teach them to pray. And uh, But now, and Jesus is not going to teach you to pray because Jesus was there in person, so he taught them. But now the great teacher of the church is the Holy Ghost. And so the Holy Ghost is inside of you and he wants to teach you to pray. All he needs is your cooperation. Amen. And you're going to enjoy it because I'm telling you it is enjoy. And folks, you'll never be satisfied completely as a Christian until you have a, not only a prayer life, but a dynamic prayer life. Amen. And you know, there's so many ways to pray. You know, let, prayer, prayer, there are rooms of prayer. I don't know how to, but, but it's like nearly a house. And, you know, I saw it like this. It's like, it's big too. It's, it's so much bigger than we can comprehend. It, but, but let's just say Tuscaloosa County, and we can all get a vision of that from seeing a map. Hallelujah. The five-sided county. Hallelujah. So uh, let's just say that, that, was, that the room of the prayer mansion was as big as Tuscaloosa County with all different rooms and all different places. You know, and, um, and, and so many different ways to pray. God is, the prayers is unlimited, as, is as unlimited as God's word is. And God's word is, is it is infinite. It is, uh, no, that's not right. It's yeah, infinite. I'm trying to get it right. Okay, I mean, it's just never-ending, ongoing. Like the hymn, Amazing Grace says, when we've been ten, there 10,000 years, we'll only have just begun. And that's where prayer, that's what prayer is like. Hallelujah. So say the prayer mansion is as big as Tuscaloosa County, but most Christians are standing in a square not as big as this step, and that's all they will do with prayer. And they will not, you know, and, and, and you know, they never, if, if, any, if they ever do pray with anybody, they get nervous because it's like, oh, I don't, I'm not used to praying that way. Well, folks, there's more than one way to pray. And you know, and you could learn something and you could grow and you could expand and you could walk and not be weary and run and not faint. And then you could mount up with wings as eagles. Hallelujah. But um, as long as you stay just me. I want to tell you, as long as it's just you praying by yourself, you're going to stay in a very small little square. One of the things God has given to the church to help us pray is corporate prayer. The one way to learn to pray better, even privately, is to get involved in corporate prayer. Because there's something that's stirred in you when you go to pray corporately that carries over to the next day. I know I pray corporately at least three times a week, usually three times a week, at least two times a week. And every time the next day... I have things that are bubbling out of me still from the time I prayed corporately with the body of Christ. Now, there's two ways to pray corporately. Well, I don't want to limit God to that. There might be more, but there's two I know of. When one way to pray, and they're both good, they're both right. But one way to pray corporately is to pray individual prayers in a corporate setting. And that's a good way to pray. In fact, that's a great way to start. because. And what that means is, is and I'm going to get to some scripture in a minute. Hallelujah. But anyway, what that means is, is that uh, uh, maybe uh, we were all here in the room together and you just prayed on your own and I prayed on my own and I might hear you every once in a while, but I'm not really trying to pray with you or follow you or go with you. We're just praying our individual prayers. And we did that for years. When we, uh, in 1984... Yeah, I believe that was it. Yeah, 1984. We had been pastoring since 1982, and I didn't know have a clue how to pray. Now, 
I, well, I, I don't say that. I mean, I wasn't completely ignorant, but mostly ignorant. And, uh, and I had prayed some with my little grandmother because uh, she, she was a lady of prayer. And I contribute a lot of things that I have avoided in life by her prayers and a lot of things that have come to my life. I believe she prayed Michael Billings into my life. And I believe she prayed a lot of junk away from my life that I would have had since I had backslid parents. You know, it was nothing for my parents to take me to a, what would you call it, a, a lounge and order me a Shirley Temple and them have, there was nothing for me to be at the horse races in Rio Dosa, New Mexico and hallelujah, it was nothing for me to count out my little dimes and give my dad a dollar to place a bet for me. And this is when I'm like 10 and 11 years old. And we didn't go to church. We went a little more than Christmas and Easter. But, you know, it was maybe three or four more times than that a year. And that was just to keep the preacher from coming by the house or something, you know. Plus, we lived next door to the organ player. And we were real close with her. And uh, hallelujah. But, um, and my, my parents were saved. And there was an honor for God in our house. We always blessed at meals. And nobody ever, nobody used the Lord's name in vain. So there was an honor for God. They were saved, but they were backslid. Both of them. And so, uh, and I wanted to go to church. I sat on the front porch and would watch the neighbor girls whose parents didn't go to church, and they were older than me, and they would walk to church on Sunday morning. And I would think, I wish I was big enough to go to church by myself, you know, because on Sunday morning I would watch them walk. So uh, my grandmother, but, but even with all of that going on, and, uh, and, there, and, it, and it wasn't a lot. I'm not saying we went every weekend. We didn't. This was like maybe three or four times a year. They would go with some friends. I was the only child, so they'd just take me with them. I know it sounds horrible. It sounds horrible. I think about a kid in a bar now, I just want to scream, but it was not that big a deal to us then. And, uh, you know, and my parents were both smokers, and there was nothing to say, Debbie, go, buy, go in the, the store and buy me a pack of cigarettes. That's for us against the law. And it was nothing for them to say, Debbie, go light me a cigarette. No, I'd go put the cigarette in my mouth and light it, hallelujah, and puff on it. And, uh, and, and let them smoke it. I mean, and then hand it to them to smoke, you know. And, uh, and so, boy, I, t I contribute a lot to a great-grandmother who was Pentecostal and prayed and a grandmother who was Baptist and later to become Pentecostal and prayed because in all of that, drinking never got on me. Smoking never got on me. I never rebelled against my parents. I didn't have a thought to. And that's because it wasn't because the girls in my class weren't doing a lot of crazy stuff. But it was just, it was like my grandmother's prayers had gotten me, I was like Teflon coated. Now my parents were great disciplinarians and trained me, taught me how to act, taught me how to, I'm not trying to make them out to be all bad because they weren't, okay? They taught me how to act. My mother told me how to, taught me how to conduct myself around boys and men. And my, my daddy, you know, he could grit his teeth and I'd jump clear to the ceiling. He had a way. He can still do it, too. And he could just do his little bottom teeth a certain way. Kind of like that. I don't know how he did it. Kind of stick one side out. And, man, I'd jump as far as hallelujah. And he had every boy in, I think it was a plot, he had every boy in Seagrave schools afraid of him. And they, so they kind of steered around me. Hallelujah. I've told you about that story before. But Pastor moved in from the outside. He moved from Tucson to Seagraves when I was a freshman and he was a sophomore. And he dated some other Church of Christ girl that first year. And then he discovered me when he was a junior and I was a sophomore. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And I got my hook in him. 
<laughs> Hallelujah. And he didn't know about it. He wasn't scared of my dad. Besides, he was hungry and there was food at our house. <laughs> my mom, you know, a mom can do a lot towards catching a man. All she has to do is cook a lot and the boy will just stay there and marry the girl. Hallelujah. Praise God, because there's food, especially if your mother is Norma Billings, who has the whole family on a diet. I mean, he was like a, he was the same height he is now, and he weighed 125 pounds when we got married. He was skin and bones, but I took care of him. <laughs> hallelujah. And I can, hey, give me two weeks on any of you, and I'll have you, hallelujah. No, no I'm just kidding. Thank you, Jesus. So anyway, prayer uh, was so powerful in my life, and I know it. Because there's nothing else to contribute it to. And so Michael Billings came into my life, and we started dating. And his family went to church, so he started picking me up and taking me with him. Well, guess what? When we started going to church, guess who, start, who followed? My parents started going to church. Hallelujah. So, so you've been a great inspiration to the whole family. Amen. He really has. Thank you, Jesus. They just don't know it. Hallelujah. So, I want to talk to you about prayer tonight and how you have to add to your faith prayer. So many times we're trying to get this to work for our kids, even where healing and stuff is concerned, and we're really not praying. Or I used to say it this way, because I used to try to do this. You know, maybe Eric would be puny. You know, he'd have symptoms in his body or something. And, uh, you know, upset stomach or something like that. And man, I'm in a hurry. I'm a busy mom. I'm a pastor's wife. I got stuff to go, places to go, people to see. And you know, I just wanted to slap the prayer of faith on him and then go do what I needed to do. But you know, I want to tell you something, family. If we're going to have more for our kids, we're going to have to put more into it because it's not enough to pray. You have to first a lot of times pray to know how to pray. See, you got to know what's against you. You got to know what you're coming up against. You got to know what if it's a stronghold, if it's you know, or if it's a you know, you know. You got to know if it's a, a something. It's just a contagious little bug, or if it's a. Uh, you got to know if it's stress, if it's nerves in that kid. You got to know if it's a, um, uh, if it's a demon spirit just bringing you know come to harass your family, a spirit of infirmity, you got to know. And the more serious that the, the situation is, the more you're going to have to pray to know. Amen? And if you've got a kid out there in rebellion or something, folks, you have got to pray and find out the answers. There's a key. There is always a way to win. There is always a way to get that kid back. Hallelujah. And it's the parents that know how to pray that are going to have success with their kids and that are going to pray and keep their kids out of trouble. You will not keep them out of trouble by keeping them busy. You won't keep them out of trouble by, uh, uh, even by, um, well, whatever the world tries to use to keep kids out of trouble. I know that's one thing they use, but you won't keep them out of trouble that way. The way you will keep your children out of trouble is by being a, a mother and a dad that pray. And so we talked about that corporate prayer in an individual prayer in a corporate setting. It would be so marvelous, and I, th I encourage you to do this. I encourage you to get past your, your, your uh, embarrassment and your uh, tim tim timidity, because God didn't give you a spirit of timidity or fear. 
I would encourage you as parents to learn to pray at least individually in a corporate setting. In other words, the husband and wife both in the living room and you're praying. And you know it doesn't have to start out long. It could start out 15 minutes on Saturday night. But if you've got a kid in trouble, you ought to be every night having a time, maybe 10 or 15 minutes, where you both set aside a time to pray for that child. Don't leave it for chance. Amen. If you've got a financial situation, you and your husband need to pray yourself out of that because there's only one way out. You're not going to save your way out. Susie Orman doesn't have the answer. And a lot of the Christian people don't have the answer. There's one, there's really three things you can do. You can pray your way out. You will believe your way out. And you've got to sow your way out. Hallelujah. And so, uh, but so husbands and wives getting, and you can start out with that individual prayer in a corporate setting. Now, Pastor and I, in 1984, I prayed a prayer and said, Lord, teach me to pray. Uh, that was a good prayer to pray because that's in the Bible. I didn't even know that it was the right thing to pray. But, you know, the Holy Spirit will prompt us to pray right if we're listening to Him. And so when He did, when I prayed that prayer, that gave Him a door to, to bring a set of tapes to me. And those tapes were by Larry Lee and they were called Could You Not Tarry One Hour? And so with that, I listened to the tapes and, um, and, 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 um, and so we began to do that. And he said, and he was doing this in Rockwall, Texas. He was going to his church every morning at 6 o'clock, praying from 6 to 7 o'clock every morning. And thousands of people were going, all, driving clear across Dallas, a lot of them. Hallelujah. And going to this one-hour prayer meeting from 6 to 7 a.m. every morning. And it was really individual prayer in a corporate setting. Now, he, there were some guidelines, but they were not praying, you know, what another kind of corporate prayer. The other kind of corporate prayer is united prayer. And united prayer is where, uh, it says in Acts that they all lifted up their voices in one accord. And the early church was built and founded on united prayer. There's times we must have, and, and I'm believing for prayer to hit this congregation. And so in united prayer, uh, you flow with one another. You listen and go with one another, agreeing with one another and, uh, and speaking the same thing, saying the same thing, believing the same thing of one mind and of one heart. And the, oh, the, the, and two can put a thousand to flight. One can put a thousand to flight and two can put 10,000 to flight. And both of these things will. So if you are not involved in corporate prayer in any way, your, even your individual prayer life is going to be lacking, lackluster. Hallelujah. And so, and you know, there's different ways. Maybe you have somebody, if you, if you have a husband and wife, God never intended for you to be united in every way but prayer. Amen. And I'm telling you, prayer, uh, if men knew what prayer would do for the rest of their lives, they would be sitting prayer meeting every day at their house. Because when a husband and wife pray together, everything else begins to line up in the house. We know because that's what happened to us. God began to change everything. So I want to talk tonight, I said all that to say this, I want to talk tonight about open doors. Because we know and you know that Brother Copeland prophesied at the beginning of 2000, no, at the end of 2006, he gave a prophecy forth uh, and he talked about the open door. And so I want to talk about that some tonight. And I'll read the prophecy or a little short part of it. 2007 will be known as the year of the open door. My word states in Revelation that I, there that I open doors no man can shut and I shut doors no man can open. 
There are those of you over the years that have set out with commitment and resolve to do things that I have assigned you to do, like prayer even, you know. And, and, and over a period of time, it looked like the devil just slammed the door in your face. But you hear me now. I want you to hear, church. You hear me now, saith the Lord. I am opening your door. Say, my door. My door. In 2007. And nobody else will be able to close it on you. Don't quit. Don't give up. There has been such temptation this year to give up. To quit. To faint. Uh, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Don't give up on this nation. Don't give up on your church. Say, don't give up on your church. 2007 is the year of doors, opening and held open. Go through them with great faith and stay on the word. Say, stay on the word. Oh, that's such a key there. Y'all, we can do everything else, but if we don't stay on the word. Now, say, stay with me and I'll stay with you. And together we will see victory beyond anything you or anybody else has seen, ever seen before. We need to stay with God and we need to stay on the word. Stay with the word. Lord, you know, family, the word is the whole answer. It's the hidden, it's the hidden um, key that most of the body of Christ does not have and know. A lot of the body of Christ has salvation and they're stuck on, on salvation. But the word is the key. The word is the victory. The word is the victory. The word is the key. The word is your way out. The word is your way in. The word is what the body of Christ, you know, most Christians give little or to none uh, uh, and if they do acknowledge the Bible, it's just a, it's how do, how do we look at it? How do they look at it? I'm not even sure, but I know how I looked at it. It's like I believed it was true. I knew it was true. I believed it was inspired word of God. I believed that. And I believed it was holy because it said holy Bible, you know. And I knew that... Uh, there were some nice things in it, some, some, some poetic things. The Bible's very poetic in places. You know, the wording of it is very awesome. Uh, I knew all those things, but I didn't know it was power. I didn't know it was life, health, and medicine to my flesh. I didn't know that when I spoke the word that heaven stood still and he said I hasten over my word to perform it. I didn't know that until 1980 and I began to know it in 1980. And so we got to stay on the word, don't we? Hallelujah. And believe, and we're going to talk about uh, some more of that in a little while. Turn over to John chapter 10. We're talking about these open doors. John chapter 10. And these will give you some ways to pray for yourself and for just, you know, it's important, family, when we talk about prayer, that you grow and mature beyond just praying for yourself and your family. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Most people are just so bogged down in life that if they do pray, they just get their family or their problems. Maybe they, you know, I have been in the place before where I had so many problems. It was hard for me to even get to the pastor. It was hard for me to get to my kids because it took me half a day just to get me straightened out every day. You know what I'm saying? Hallelujah. And praise God, you do. There are seasons in your life where if you don't keep you straightened out, nobody else will. 
And, you know, so I'm not condemning that, but we do need to come to a place where we're not always learning, never coming to the knowledge of the truth, where we finally get it and we can say, okay, now I can be used. Now I'm strengthened. Now I've received. Now I know. Now I can help somebody else. And it's time. This church, now you know. We've sat here for 10 years. Some of you not that long, some of you that long. But anyway, hallelujah, and some of us longer, hallelujah. We know, and now we can help others. Hallelujah, praise God, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And we can help them in our prayers. And that's one of the most powerful ways to help people. Lots of times we're trying to help people without praying also. We're trying to get faith to work without praying, but we're also trying to help people without praying. We're trying to minister the word to people without praying. And then we wonder why we don't have success. You know what I'm saying? We're trying to, I'm talking about going out and witnessing, and we really haven't prayed. We're just saying the words to people. And we're not women and men and women of prayer. We weren't in prayer the night before. Like Granny Hicksie used to say, you weren't, we weren't prayed up. We weren't ready and we hadn't gotten their hearts ready by praying. It's not even so much about us being ready. It's us. We've got to pray to get their heart ready. Amen. And we'll see this here in a few minutes. But a lot of times we're trying to do the works of Jesus. And you'll never do the works of Jesus without being a man or woman of prayer. Hallelujah. So if you're behind and you need to catch up and learn in prayer, well, then you need to, you got to do it. Hallelujah. You'll never, uh, hallelujah, praise God, you'll never launch that dream in your heart without prayer. Oh, there's so many things that are just right there in the spirit realm, but you've got to pray your way to them. It's not that God's withholding, but you know, it's sort of like walking. You have to, a lot of times you have to walk closer in order to see something. You know, it's like trying to look at a painting that was on that wall from over here. Well, I'm, it's not going to be real, I need to walk closer, right? And I can see it. That's how prayer, in prayer, we walk closer to our blessings. See, we walk, we're walking in prayer. We're, and you know, we're walking in prayer and we're doing it every day. And then every once in a while, we'll hit a rhema word of prayer that's like getting on a rocket. It'll take us to the next level. I mean, we don't hit those every time in prayer, but nearly every time on, when we pray uh, in corporate prayer, at some point, We'll hit something that you just know is not just us uttering. It's inspired. And it's, it's a rhema. What it does is it cuts through. It's, until you get a rhema, you don't have, that's what it says, um, the word of God, the rhema of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. Hallelujah. And when you hit that rhema, it don't take like that and it's over. Hallelujah. And so we have to walk in prayer. We walk, walk, walk in prayer. And so sometimes that means don't ever feel like you didn't do anything if you're praying in tongues and nothing happened because what are you doing? You're walking. You're walking in prayer. You're walking closer to your blessing so you can see what to pray and see what to say and see what to, to uh, move out of the way. So, you know, don't ever feel like you didn't do anything when you just prayed in tongues. And so, and, and so all day, every day, you're praying in tongues and you're walk, walk, walking, walk, walk, walking. Hallelujah. And the eyes of your understanding are being enlightened. And you're building yourself up on your most holy faith. And Jude also says you're keeping yourself in the love of God. Praying in tongues helps you keep yourself in the love of God. And your faith won't work apart from love. And so it'll help you. You having trouble walking in love? Pray in tongues. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. You know, I, one of our neighbors turned us into the homeowners association in Hinton Place. You know, that kind of ticked me off. Because we got some of the cruddiest neighbors in the whole world whose yards look like, I can't use that word in church. <laughs> and they turned up, you know, I was kind of my pride. I was indignant. And it was because Pastor put this little uh, awning thing up in our, what, we have a little side yard that's not our yard, and he put a little awning thing up. And the neighbor behind us sent pictures to the president of the Homeowner Association. And he's got his pickup parked in the backyard. And I'm like, you got a lot of nerve. You sorry. <laughs> you know, it kind of, you know, I wanted to get in the flesh. But I said, Lord, I just can't afford this. You know, I cannot afford this. I, you know, I probably have a right to be ticked. I probably have a right to, to but it's just going to cost me in my spiritual life. And I just can't afford this. So I, I got to get back in love. So I just said, well, I'm going to pray in tongues because that'll help me. That'll help me. Because I've got to walk in love here. I've got to forgive him. And I've got to walk in love. You know, I could think of a lot of things to dump over the back of the fence because he's right behind us. Hallelujah. And I thought, and besides all that, your sorry, no good cat is in my yard all the time trying to eat my birds that I feed. And he's, you know, fat as a little pig already. Hallelujah. I mean, you know, you don't, don't look at me like that because you have things that come up with you like that too. And so we got to pray because prayer is the way to walk in love too. To stay in love. Prayer is the way if you've got a husband that you could use all those adjectives I use to describe. If you've got a wife that you, you've got a boss that, you know, hallelujah, that you can't, you can't think, you know, prayer is the way to stay in love and to walk in love. Amen. So prayer has lots of uh, benefits and uses. John 10, we're going to having trouble getting to this, aren't we? John, but it seems like we got a door open here. For this utterance. John 10 verse 1. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door, say the door, into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Well, the thief and the robber is, G is Satan, and the shepherd of the sheep is Jesus. We know that. Now listen to this. To him the porter openeth. Say openeth. And the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. This is so good. Now, let's get some explanation on here. Jesus is the door. The only way to God is through Jesus, right? If you try to get in any other way, Satan is a thief and a robber, you know. You try to come in through Muhammad or any of those other guys, you, that's the thief and the robber's way. You ain't getting in. Amen. But look here, when it comes to witnessing, when it comes to the word, it says, to him the porter openeth. Now, in a lot of versions, that word porter is watchman. To him the watchman openeth. We know that the, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, in Ezekiel, uh, watchman is ref, uh, on the wall. The watchman on the wall is the prayers. Is a lot of times refers to the prayers. And that's what I was talking about a while ago. A lot of times you're trying to win somebody. You're trying to reach somebody. But we need the watchman to you in prayer. Or you. some people say the watchman is the Holy Ghost. And I can agree with that. But he lives inside you. 
It's not just the Holy Ghost going to fall out of the sky and get this job done. No, it's the watchman, the Holy Ghost inside of you that's going to get this door opened. And if we, don't, if we don't take our place as watchmen and watch and pray, remember it says in the Bible to watch and pray. If we, don't get, if we don't pray, then the door won't be opened so Jesus can come into their life through the door. And so when we go out to witness, the first thing we have to be is prayers. And when you're believing God for a family member, you have to be a prayer because one thing we've got to have is the door opened. Hallelujah. Do you all see that? And so one of the doors that God always opens, that God opens is the door to hearts. Look in verse 7, then said Jesus unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. And then in verse 9, he says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. See, if you go in through Jesus, you get saved. Amen. And shall go in and out and find pasture. Now this is really good uh, for concerning doors and concerning praying. Amen. So we need God to open doors to hearts. Turn over to Acts 16.6. And he's going to do that by the Holy Ghost through our prayers. Through our prayers that the Holy Ghost shows us how to pray, teaches us how to pray, leads us in prayer. Hallelujah. Acts 16.6. So if you're teaching children's church or you're teaching youth or you're teaching anything, but you're not praying, your words are, you're actually just having words. And some people are pretty good with just words. There are people that have a, you know, there are people that can make speeches and President Clinton was really good with speeches and words and, but it's not anointed. It's not opening any doors. It doesn't. You know, hallelujah. But when you pray, then your words do something. Something you can't do, but something only Jesus and the Holy Ghost can do. Amen. Hallelujah. John, uh, Acts 16, verse 6, it says, Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. I want you to notice there that the Holy Ghost said that door's not open. See, a lot of people would have you think that you can just go anywhere and preach the Word. But you can't if the door's not open. And you've got to find out from the Holy Ghost where the door's open. Otherwise, you're just going to be whistling in the wind. And all of you have done that before where you witnessed to somebody and it just fell on the ground. It was nothing. Amen? You know what I'm saying. And, you know, praise God. And then, uh, let's see, verse... Um, Okay, go down to verse 9. It says, uh, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. And there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly get gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. And so when Paul had this vision, he said, Uh-oh, there must be a door open. And there was. There was a door opened into Macedonia. And so they went over into Macedonia. And in verse 14 it says, And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Theatra, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened. I want you to notice she didn't open her heart, but the Lord opened her heart. Whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which are spoken of Paul. Hallelujah. 
And when she was baptized and her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house. So not only did the Lord open the door to her heart, he opened the door to her house for them. Amen. Some of you want a new house. God's got to open the door for your house. Some of you want a new car. God, you need to pray so God will open the door to your car. Because until he opens the door for that car, you're going to be standing outside of it and you can't do anything on the outside of the car. Amen. And you know, we need the Lord to open the door for the new addition, or not addition, what is it, remodeling. The new remodeling of the church. We've seen the door, but now we need the door opened. Y'all know what I'm saying? And she said, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. In other words, she insisted. Hallelujah. So it, with this open door in Macedonia, it launched a major work. And Lydia was actually the open door to the whole city. You know, we, I've been praying about that, and I want you to pray with me. I've been saying, Lord, that one person, that catalyst, that one person that's a door to this city. Because you know what? We've been, we're not in there yet. We ha we've got to get a door opened into this city. Now, I believe that the door of salvation has been opened over Tuscaloosa County for many long years. It's not really hard to, to get that door open. I mean, it's really pretty much opened as far as preaching salvation. But did you know the door hasn't been opened to preach the faith message? The door hasn't been opened to teach these in Christ truths, in Christ realities. The door hadn't been opened to preach God wants everybody healed all the time. That door has not been opened. That's why you look around. You can look around and say, and you know it's not that these aren't good people and that they're not hungry for God, but we've got to pray to get these doors open so we can get into this place. We need God to open their hearts. They don't even know they need something, some of them. They're just sitting back. And I was talking to a Baptist lady this week, and she's been saved many years. You can tell she's a very committed Christian, loves God. But she started telling me about her boys, who, her grown sons, who are still living at home. And it's just like, what do you do with them? Why are they, you know, getting them to get a job, getting them to live right, getting the youngest one to go to church? What do I do with them? And I was thinking to myself, well, you're going to have to teach them more than salvation. She said, oh, I know they're saved, but they're not living like anything. And, and she doesn't, she's, she, the doors, you know, she hasn't, hallelujah. Well, Brother Hagen prophesied, let me read you this. I kind of might have got ahead of myself. That, that in the, at, towards the end, the very last, that doors of revelation would open to the church and believers will be strong and do exploits. That they're going to see what they've never seen before and believe what they've never believed before. And with that revelation, we would, uh, the church, not just us, not just a few people, but the church would operate in great authority and with great boldness. And the church would have wisdom and confidence and would be empowered. Boy, they're, they're, that's not describing the church that we know today. But family, we are, the, we are that remnant that, that got, somehow got through a door somewhere. Through somebody's prayers. I don't know whose prayers, but something, Granny Hixie for us. She, she got us through the door. And, when we, and we got our kids through the door by praying. All their little lives. Praying, 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 praying. Sit on the front porch and pray. Pray, pray in the Holy Ghost. Sometimes you didn't even know if you was doing a work. You didn't know if you was doing anything. 
but praying in the Holy Ghost. Pray, 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 pray. Speak in the Word. Had those little scriptures that I've given made available to all y'all. Speak in those over them, over and 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 over. Speaking those things over them. Listen, if you just sit around and go to work every day, your kids will go to hell in a handbasket. And they will get there fast. And even if they're saved, they may get to heaven real fast. Oh, we need a door of revelation to open. And so we need folks that God, God just can't do this by himself. He cannot do this for Tuscaloosa County without you. He's got to have the Holy Ghost, but he's got to have you. Amen? Hallelujah. So fire of the fire and the spirit of prayer has got to catch hold among us. And we've got to learn what we don't know because we don't know near enough yet. And that's why we pray and sometimes we have little slip-ups and we go, how'd that happen to my kid? I was praying. Well, we just didn't have enough revelation. But praise God, we've got some. We hadn't arrived, but we've left. Amen. But I, we got to go further and we got to go further fast. So one of the things we've got to pray is for God to give us a re revelation. We can't just sit back and say, well, you know, I got in. I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. That's enough. No, there's so much more. Amen. Y'all with me on that? And so, uh, oh man, I could just keep telling you stuff. Today, I was talking with a woman. You talk about the church needing help. Now, this is a Christian woman, raised Baptist, Baptist preacher for a daddy, now in the Methodist church. And she was telling me about a doctor in Hattiesburg, 57 years old, had a heart attack, never regained consciousness, died. That's what she was telling me about. And then she said, but you know, if the Lord wants you, there's nothing you can do about it. Well, first of all, let me start over. When she told me about this doctor, oh, this is just horrible. This is just awful. This is terrible. This is horrible. And then she said, if the Lord wants you, you know, there's just nothing you can do about it. I just looked at her. I didn't say nothing. I knew the door wasn't open. To say anything, I'd be wasting my breath. And so I just looked at her. I didn't say yes, though. And I... And then, but she just went on, you know, she was just talking to herself rattle anyway. And so she just went on. And, uh, uh, but I sat there and I thought, you know, the words horrible, terrible, awful are not words that should be used in the same sentence with God. Ever. That's a big clue. Oh, folks, we, I'm not telling you that to say he, she, I, I mean, I love the woman, but, oh God, we need a revelation open to the church. Jesus. Jesus. And you know, if we want it for Tuscaloosa County, it's up to us. I believe personally, I know there's some people that know some things that are hid out in places. There's some little old ladies that are hidden churches and stuff that know how to pray. I know that. But I'm just talking about in general, it, uh, you don't realize this, but a lot more of it is up to you than you know. It's up to you. It's up to you. It's up to you. It's not, you know, Birmingham. Just because Birmingham gets it will not mean we will. Just because Tulsa got it. Tulsa got it. That city is like permeated with the word and prayer and revelation. And it was prayers of people. 
But just because they got it don't mean we'll get it. I want that for Tuscaloosa County. And I'm willing to lay down my life for it. I'm willing to put, it'll be poured out as a drink offering. I'm willing to do whatever. But I can't even do it by myself because I'm just one and I can only put a thousand to flight. I need you. God needs you. Because together we can put 10,000 to flight. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, I got a bunch more about doors. And it's so good. But I think we should pray. <laughs> Hallelujah. I think we should pray about doors into our county, into our city. You know, I know people need to be saved. And I know sometimes people think, well, y'all just don't focus on salvation enough. But I look at it like... Y'all, there's that, that there is, if, if, if there's a hundred churches in Tuscaloosa County, and there's far more than that, there's a hundred probably just in Northport and this way, because I'm sure it's some, well, I won't go into that. But anyway, um, if there's a hundred churches in Tuscaloosa County, 99 of them, well, we can't say that because you always got some that are just social churches, but the great percentage of them are, they're all focused on salvation, God's always put in our hearts to focus on Christ in you, the hope of glory, faith towards God, righteousness, healing, and believing for that door to be opened. Believing for, because who's believing for that? John 10, 10, believing for that, that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Amen. That's what God's always put on our heart. So don't get mad at us if you're very evangelistic and you say, because I'm not limiting you. Believe for salvations. And I am too. But the prayer burden he has on my heart is to see people, to see you, but to see all people, all Christians, and all people but all Christians get the full revelation of the full gospel, of the fullness of God. Hallelujah. And to be full of his glory. And to be what Brother Hagin prophesied. To do exploits. To be the glorious church. To rise up as the army of God. And to be a family of faith. Hallelujah. That's what, and that's the doors we want to pray open tonight. Hallelujah. Praise God. So stand up together. And you can sit down after we start. But we'll start standing. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Father, we praise you and glorify you, dear Father. We magnify you. We come with a longing in our hearts that you have birthed in us, God, to see the door open.